0: So we'll sing verse 1 of the Bible Stands 184 as we begin. Welcome everyone. Let's start by singing the Bible Stands 184 together. And then we'll have our missionary moments. I'll go ahead and lead it, okay?
1: The Bible Stands
0: The last verse of the Bible stands, number 184, and then our children's classes dismiss the rest day here, okay? 184, verse 4.
1: The Bible stands every test we give it for its author is divine. By grace alone I have t- Okay, the
0: name of the book is A Bible of. I said it wrong. A Survey of Bible Doctrines by Charles Ryrie, okay? There, there was one other that I really wanted, but it's out of print, and we couldn't get it. We tried. So, anyway, these are available, and uh, <clears throat> the way we're doing this is Ken, I want to thank you for your time serving as our adult Sunday school teacher for so long, and it's about time that we gave. about time we gave Ken a little break although there's not as much break as he thinks anyway and others opportunity there are five men we can call them the five guys (laughs) that that will be teaching this class for the next year and there are 10 major bible doctrines and each fellow will have a month or about that to teach that bible doctrine and so we'll compile notes from each of those classes and at the end lord willing you'll have not only a paper file or folder i mean a paper folder but you'll also have more up here okay about bible truth and bible teaching each couple and each individual come and grab a book put them in your own three ring binders you may but the books are for you. So I guess just let's take a moment and do that. And I'll hang on to our handouts for right now. There's a little fun we'll have with that later. So please come on up and grab your book and a, a folder or whatever. You get to choose which one you want. Well, my job today is an introduction to Bible doctrines. Why? Why do we want to study Bible doctrines? Things like that. So. Uh, Next week, Ken will be back here behind this microphone and teaching one of the Bible doctrines, which I'll announce later. And I know Ken will also announce that later, and I'm looking forward to that. The other teachers, you could pray for them, will be Sean and Alan and Shane and myself. So. Please pray as each of the men study for this class. I'll start out by saying this, it's also an opportunity for others who have the ability and the desire to teach, to teach. So it's a good thing that we're doing this. It'll be kind of a rotation. I don't know if we'll play it leapfrog or whatever, piggyback, I'm not sure. Anyway, we'll have fun with it. And I'm looking forward to the variety that way as well and good bible institutions and or institutes i should say and colleges and seminaries offer bible doctrines and systematic theology why does anyone know why they offer those and i'm talking about good ones others don't but we should be able to do better than a fellow named sam i'm going to read something a few of you have heard this in the past but most of you haven't, so bear with me. Well, we need to do better than this, okay? Back in the good old days of the circuit rider preachers, before it was thought necessary for a minister to have one or more degrees, a man who believed he had been called to preach went to a clergyman to be examined. The following conversation took place. Can you read, Sam? Sam? No, sir, I can't read, sir. Can you write? No, sir, I can't write. But my wife is pretty good at writing. Well, do you know your Bible, Sam? Yes, sir, I'm pretty smart in the scriptures. I know my Bible from lid to lid. Which part of the Bible do you prefer, Sam? He said, the book of Mark, sir what do you like especially about mark i likes the parables sir and which one of the parables is your choice asked the other clergyman well sir the parable of the good samaritan is my specialty sir i likes that one best well sam will you tell me the parable of the good samaritan yes sir i will Once there was this man traveling from Jericho, or from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked him. And as he went on, he didn't have no money, and he met that queen of Sheba, and she gave him 1,000 talents of gold (laughs) and 100 changes of raiment, and he got into a chariot and drove furiously. And when he was driven under a big juniper tree, his hair caught on the limb of that tree and he hung there many days and the ravens brought him food to eat and water to drink and he ate 5,000 loaves of bread and two fishes. (laughs) One night while he was hanging there asleep, his wife Delilah come along and she cuts off his hair and he dropped and he fell on stony ground, but he got up and went on and it began to rain. And it rained 40 days and 40 nights. And he hid himself in a cave, and he lived on locusts and wild honey. Then he went on till he met a servant who says, come take supper at my house. And he made an excuse and said, no, I won't. I have married my wife, and I can't go. And the servant went out in the highway and in the hedges and compelled him to come in. After supper, he went on and come down to Jericho. And when he got there, he looked up and saw that old Queen Jezebel sitting down away up high in a window. And she laughed at him. And he said, throw her down out of there. And they throwed her down. And he say, throw her down again. And they throwed her down 70 times 7. And of the fragments that remained, they picked up 12 baskets full beside women and children and they say blessed are the peacemakers now whose wife do you think she'll be in the judgment day we're going to attempt to do a better job than that (laughs) in our bible doctrine classes okay but i thought that would be fun (laughs) i don't know somebody that had a lot of time on their hands (laughs) (laughs) yeah it is funny i don't have a southern accent we heard a person read that with a deep southern drawl i should have had somebody here do that but anyway it's more fun even with that you know i enjoy it it's just silly and hilarious but at any rate we're going to attempt to do this in a way that honors god and is true to the bible we view the bible as our sole authority for our faith and our practice all of life that uh, our bible is critical so there are 10 major or primary bible doctrines often taught and they cover from genesis 1 1 and you know what that says in the beginning god created the heavens and the earth that is a doctrine in itself okay all the way to the last two verses of the bible go to the last two verses last two verses of the Bible Revelation 22 verses 20 and 21 say he that testifieth these things saith surely I come quickly Amen even so come Lord Jesus the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all amen that's how our bibles end there are two major bible doctrines maybe more right there one is jesus christ is lord the other one is he'll come again in the future those are bible doctrines on that cover sheet that i gave you it just (laughs) i had fun putting in little um i don't know turning them around about god about jesus christ about mankind about the holy spirit about the church, about the scriptures, salvation, and you see angels and Satan and sin and end times. And just the first verse of the Bible and the last two verses of the Bible cover a few of those. I mean, don't cover it. Let me say that. I just address a couple of, a few of those. So it is an understanding. Bible doctrine is an understanding of the bible teachings as a whole it gives us a a a treetop picture if you will and there are 10 that we will study and so that's why i gave you those handouts the holy spirit how about man Anthropology. anthropology you got it all the way to the top right sin is straight across sin is hamartiology okay on the back side we'll get it, I'll give you that in a few moments okay sin is hamartiology salvation okay that's right yep so soteriology church how about church you might remember the greek word what's that? up yep Ecclesiology, that's right. To the lower right. How about angels? That one's pretty easy. Yeah. Angelology, okay. How about future things? Eschatology. Yeah, eschatology. Eschatos, yeah. Eschatology, okay. Flip your sheet over, and you'll have a, 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 you'll be able to see it. We'll go through that list for the next few minutes. okay. Bibliology is the Greek it's from the Greek biblion which means roll, book, scroll or writing an example is in Luke 4.17 and there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah and when he had opened the book he found the place where it was written it's a combination of biblion and logos okay and theology of course is a study of but anyway the rational study of okay in this case the sacred writings the bible theology is also a compound word theos meaning god the study of god so in john 3:16 for god so loved the world okay the word does not show up in the bible theology doesn't show up in the bible but the idea certainly does. And then Christology is Christas and Lagos, and that's the study of the doctrine of Christ or the Messiah, centering on his divinity, person, life, and works. Pneumatology is from pneuma, which means wind or current of air, and of course, Lagos as well. It often is translated spirit in the Bible or... Ghost in the Old King James. The study of the person and work of the Holy Spirit, James 14.17, is an example of that. Anthropology is from Anthropos, of course. These are all Greek words that would show up in the Greek New Testament having to do with mankind. Romans 5.12, we learn about man, wherefore, as by one man... Sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. So it's the study of human origins and destiny from a biblical perspective. Hamartiology is from the Greek word hamartia, meaning sin, for the wages of hamartia, sin is death. Romans six twenty three. So it's the study concerning the origin, nature, extent, and consequence of sin. Also, how sin is transmitted throughout the human race and opposes God's purpose for creation. And then soteriology. Soteria means safety or deliverance and is often translated salvation or deliverance in the Bible. Romans 1.16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Salvation. It's the study of salvation, the provision of and application of salvation. And then, ecclesiology comes from the Greek word ecclesia, meaning an assembly, or a called-out assembly, often translated church in the Bible. Ephesians 3.21 says, And unto him be glory in the church. It's a study about the church. And we'll learn that there is a reference to the church throughout all ages and throughout the world, as the body of Christ, for example, is a metaphor of the church. But also, the majority of the times the word church is used in the New Testament, it will have to do with local churches like Valley Baptist Church here in Eureka or uh, the church in Ephesus. Anyway, from a biblical perspective, it's a study of the church or the origin and the distinctive nature and mission and function. Even the government and offices and ordinances that the church does as a function. And today we'll be observing the Lord's Supper. That is part of the study that we call ecclesiology. The last, next one is angelology. Anglos means messenger. And in Luke 2.10 it says, And the angel said unto them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. You remember that. So it's the study of existence, nature, and functions of angels. Let me pause a moment. A few times it is mentioned in the Bible, not very many, of a person who's a messenger, but the majority are the spirit beings that we can't see normally. Normally. And it will include the study of the holy or good angels and the evil or bad angels, which would be demons and Satan himself. So that's a big study. I don't know how (laughs) whoever is teaching that will do that in one month, but here there it is. And then, of course, maybe the bigger one of all is eschatology, the last things. Eschatos means the last things. 25% of our Bibles when it was written, was written as prophecy about the future. A quarter of the Bible. Some's been fulfilled, but it is the study of the future for Israel, the church, the nations, all mankind. It's our future, if you will. So there you go. In a nutshell is those 10 doctrines that good Bible institutes and colleges and seminaries offer as courses. In fact, some, most, if, if there is a student who has a, a pastoral or theology major, they're required courses, of course. And I would assume you took all 10 doctrines, right? Okay. Who was your teacher? Uh, it was Dr. Okay, all right. Doctrine actually means teaching. And it's a perfectly good word in our Bibles, and we must not shy from it, as many do. I'm sure you've heard it. You've heard some statement like this. Doctrine divides, and we need to do away with it. Because we need to get together with all who believe in Jesus and love each other. Right? We've heard that before, and it sounds noble. May I ask the question, okay, if we all need to get together who believe in Jesus? Is that important? Is he Michael the Archangel? He's not Michael the Archangel, is he? Okay. Is he one of many gods, as the Jehovah's Witnesses say? Yeah. No? I have an article from the Missoulian. and I'll read some. I highlighted some of it, okay? I'll read just what I highlighted. There is some research been going on by some people calling themselves biblical scholars. They are part of a movement called Jesus Seminars. Anyway, they say Jesus was a Galilean sage whose purpose was misunderstood by those who followed him. Robert Funk is one of the best known founders of the Jesus Seminar. Funk's new book quote unquote Honest to Jesus calls for a major overhaul of the Christian church including a demotion, of, and that's in quotes, of Jesus from the divine son of God to a humble Galilean sage. (laughs) They go on to say Jesus was a roving, cynic-like sage who spoke in behalf of the downtrodden. Burton Mack says that. He was a former professor of New Testament at Theology of the Claremont in California, at Claremont, California. Um... He says, Cynics were part of a philosophical movement begun in Athens four centuries before Jesus that believed that virtue is the only good and that its essence lies in self-control and independence. The article turns my stomach, but there it is. Is that the Jesus we need to get together with everyone? No, it's not. So as we study... These doctrines will realize they are critically important. I understand, and we don't. There's no glee in that. It's sad. It is sad. Yeah, twice in the proverbs we read those words. You're right. What about salvation? Do you have to speak in tongues to be saved? (laughs) It's part of the study of soteriology. Do you have to keep the second... the? I don't know why my mouth did that. The seven sacraments of the Holy Roman Catholic Church? You know? Baptism and confirmation and the Eucharist, penance, the extreme unction, which is the anointing of the sick, holy orders and marriage. Do you have to keep those to be saved? Now, I have asked Roman Catholics... If they believe in Jesus as their savior, and their answer is yes. And they'll even say, I'm saved by grace. But the church, that church and other Orthodox churches teach that grace is bestowed by keeping the sacraments. I remember at my uncle's funeral in Kalispell that fellow acting as a priest sprinkling holy water on my uncle's casket and declaring out loud for everyone thy sins are forgiven this is serious stuff it really is okay here's another one maybe a little lighter one i have a file that says open theism that i have in my overstuffed file cabinets right now. (laughs) Is God open? What do they mean by that? In, In the study of God, it probably will come up, okay? It means that God sees the future as open and he's watching mankind to see how we do things right now and he'll react to that in the future. He doesn't know the future exactly, but he will fashion things to do his will through what mankind does. He reacts to us. So it's called open theism or God is open. No. <laughs> as as we study about the nature of God, he's the same today, <laughs> or yesterday, today, and forever, isn't he? Yes. He doesn't change. He's not... That's one of the questions that showed up at the fair. God doesn't change. Out of the three things God can't do, there were more than three. I don't know how many did you finally come up with. Four? Okay. Yeah. He. No. The. He knew. He knows the past, present, and future, all at the same time, and he has it all, all planned out. Of course, we understand God's not open, and that is a current theological trend. Especially among the charismatics, they want him to be open and and change they i 've heard such terms say somebody say, "God has to do this for me because I do that or whatever he has to If I pray in such a way, he has to react to that or whatever i know, I know that 's not a very good overview of open theism i 'm just trying to give you. The idea that these doctrines and a Bible understanding of them is critically important for a person's eternal state. Here's another one. What about the writings of Paul? Are they authoritative? We nod our heads yes, but there are many that say they're just descriptive. They're not prescriptive. They're descriptive. Not prescriptive. What do I mean by that? They describe a time and a place and a culture and a religion, Judaism, that, start, that, of course, birthed, if you will, Christianity. And that culture does not translate to this culture. It's not relevant. Paul's writings are not relevant to us. I had a pastor one time when I asked him about his view of the Bible is it inspired of God he said I believe it is because I'd heard him say that his professors taught that it is not and I asked him then in your denomination how is it that there are women pastors and first Timothy 3 says that a bishop must be the husband of one wife and he rolled his eyes and he said Paul was a Jewish bigot you can't take what he wrote as authoritative so then, we don't have, if you it take out from Romans to Hebrews, you're missing a big chunk of your Bible. It's, at any rate, we don't view the Bible that way. <coughs> we don't believe that it's descriptive only. It's also prescriptive. Okay? What about this article that I pulled out of the <laughs> of Bradenton... <clears throat> The Bradenton Herald, back when we were down in Florida. Here it is. The Manatee County Church of the Trinity Metropolitan Community Church. That's, I know, a long title. will celebrate its 25th anniversary on November 19th. Trinity is a church committed to becoming the spiritual and social and cultural hub of the Sarasota-Bradenton area for the gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender community, and their straight allies and friends, according to the church press release. The church started in 1981, first meeting in private homes in downtown Sarasota and since 1989 at its current site. And it gives uh, the um, address and all of that. Anyway, the denomination Metropolitan Community Churches, if you see Metropolitan on a church sign somewhere, that's what it means. Like met, uh, I think of it as Neapolitan ice cream. Anyway, forget that. That's my mind. <laughs> anyway, there are 300 congregations in 22 countries as of the writing of this article. At any rate, do we believe, it, when it comes to anthropology, that God created one man and one woman and that they were to be uh, husband and wife? Uh, at any rate, it These things are critical and they matter. They really do matter. And that's why when we started out in 2007 at Valley Baptist Church, we worked on what the Bible says about this stuff. And you have a copy of the Constitution which includes our statement of belief about these things. And so it it does separate us from others. And yet, I believe that it should unify us as well. And I'll get to that in just a moment before we close. There's a saying either we limit our message or we limit our fellowship. Which will it be? You can't have both. We have to limit our fellowship. We can't fellowship with everybody that says they're a Christian. We just can't, sadly. And we realize that Bible doctrine ought to unite us. Go to John, the Gospel of John, chapter 17. Jesus is praying to the Father here, okay? John chapter 17. We'll just look at a few verses, 20 through 22. John chapter 17, starting at verse 20. Neither pray I for these alone, Jesus said to the Father. But for them also which shall believe on me through their word, okay? He was, the direct context was to the 11 apostles that remained after Judas Iscariot left. But it extends to you and me. Did you see that in verse 20? Them also which shall believe on me through their word. We have the rest of the Bible, and we believe because of the testimony of the apo- Jesus Christ and the apostles in the New Testament. So it applies to us. That they may be one. Jesus is praying for unity as thou, oh, here's the qualifier as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me and the glory which thou gavest me, one, even as we are one. Do you think Jesus and the Father agree on Bible doctrine? yeah they do and that would be the basis for our unity with other believers is Bible truth is Bible truth and we can't compromise on that I have a list of Bible verses and I'll just read them for you because mine are printed out and yours aren't anyway I think you'll get the idea as I read through these, and so if you want to just jot down the references, that's fine. John 7:17 7, says, "If any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God." Titus two, verse one, "But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine." Second Timothy 3:16. Matt asked me for a verse for the Sunday school lesson. This is it. All scripture is given by inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. First Timothy four, verse six says, If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine, whereunto thou hast attained. <clears throat> Verse 16 of the same chapter says, Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. So this is very important in regard to salvation, isn't it? I'll wrap this up quickly. Acts 13.12 then the deputy, when he saw what was done, believed, and being astonished at the doctrine of the Lord. Matthew seven twenty eight. And it came to pass when Jesus had ended these things, the people were astonished at his doctrine. Matthew twenty two thirty three is similar. Matthew, or Mark 4, verse 2, it says, And he taught them many things by parables, and said unto them in his doctrine. First Timothy 6.3 If any man teach otherwise, and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness. Ephesians 4.14 That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. Revelation 2.14 but I have a few things against thee, Jesus spoke wrote to the church in you know, I'd have to look that up right now off the top of my head. I don't remember Ephesus, I believe, because thou hast there them that hold the doctrine of Balaam. So there's false doctrine out there. Revelation two fifteen, so that thou also or so hast thou also them that hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which I hate. First Timothy 1 Timothy 1.3 As I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus, when I went into Macedonia, that thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine. 2 Timothy 4.3 For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. And 1 uh, Timothy 4.13 Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, and to doctrine. So <clears throat> the Bible is full of scripture like that good, sound Bible doctrine is not negotiable. I just have to say it that way. It's not negotiable. So I'm looking forward to learning of the ten major doctrines coming up. We'll be starting with the doctrine about the Bible, bibliology. Ken will be teaching that starting next week. And I'm looking forward to that as well. How did we get our Bibles? Well, it, <clears throat> I'm looking forward to the rest of that. So that'll be starting next week. Any questions? I know that I... Sure. Oh, that list I have? Sure. I, I understand. <laughs> it, the list is self-explanatory, isn't it? Yeah. Really, it it's is. Really nice okay. Well, let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for our Sunday school class time, and I ask you that you would be the one who is honored and glorified in the hour to come, that as we gather together, we would do so in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave his life for us, shedding his blood for the remission of our sins, was buried but rose again victorious over death and the grave for each and every one of us as God. Father God, I thank you that whoever believes in him can have forgiveness of sin and eternal life. And Father, I ask you too that as we embark on this study in our adult Sunday school class for the next year or so, that you would be the one who guides and teaches, that the Holy Spirit would have free course teaching us, giving us the understanding of your word as it is meant by you, Father God. I ask in Jesus' name. Amen.